Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is happening, gang? We are jacked to bring you these next eight weeks of the Inside Football Podcast. To set the stage in the next eight weeks, we are going to go division by division, traveling from east all the way to west, taking a look at what these teams have done in the offseason. We're going to get a deep dive into their draft. We're going to look at what they did in free agency, and then we're going to look cumulatively at the roster and what it might look like going into week one of next season to give you guys a sense of have these teams improved, have these teams regressed, really where are we in the matrix and what might these teams need to do as we head into what could be a pretty action-packed June 1 cut season. So get ready, this is the Inside Football Podcast, but before we dive in, we want to take a minute to talk about our favorite sponsor. We want to talk about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We love it on the Inside Football Podcast. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best place to place your bets. And best of all, it's free to sign up. So head over to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right, did not trip over that one. If you go to betonline.ag or use your mobile device today and sign up, you're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So what are you waiting for? All right, gang, this is the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Polian, and this is our dive into the offseason in the AFC East. All right, and we are live on the Inside Football Podcast with Bill Polian. We have survived the draft. I don't know those of us in the American South if we're going to survive the thunderstorm that is blowing through today. How are we doing in your neck of the woods, guys? I had the thunderstorm last night, and I'm intact. Well, it's coming here and and, uh, pretty active. Well, here we go. All right. Well, to set this up for you, we're going to spend the next eight weeks going through each of the divisions now that we have completed free agency, completed the draft, and we're going to get Bill's insight in terms of what they've done in the offseason, what he likes, maybe a few things he doesn't, where there's some holes and things that might need to be addressed after we get into June. So without any further ado, Rick, why don't you jump us into it today? Okay. Well, we're going to start with the AFC and we're going to start in the East and Work our way west as we go. So let's, of course, start with the Bills, uh, you know, who obviously were 13-3. and three. Uh, They were highly, highly ranked in just about every important offensive category, two or three um, in every one. Uh, the defense was sort of middle of the road. Um, so, Bill, as you look, go down the roster, if you would, and tell us, you know, what you think and whether, whether or not they have improved on one or both sides of the ball. Well, keep in mind that we don't know if they've improved until we put them on the field. <laughs> this, is, uh, this, is, this is just uh, paper talk 
and conjecture. Having said that, um, you know, they added Mitchell Trubisky as a backup quarterback. Uh, probably a good move for both sides. Uh, he gets a chance to take a deep breath and reset. And they get a guy whose skill set, albeit, ex, you know, lack of experience and and perhaps passing uh, uh, mastery is not as, as good as Allen. Uh, but they can run the same offense if he has to come in the game. So um, that's uh, it's probably a plus. Zach Moss is back from injury. Demon Singletary is a good solid back. They added Matt Breida, and and I think that's uh, that that's a good pickup. Uh, he was injured last year some, and he's been injured before. But if they can get, especially with 17 games, uh, some load taken off Singletary, and if Mo Moss, who was injured toward the end of last year, can step up and become the lead back or the heavy duty back, uh, then then they're they're better off than they were. T.J. Yeldon remains the jack of all trades. Uh, that's a you know a fairly uh, I would say a fairly settled position. The receiving course to Fon Diggs. They add Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, Cole Beasley, uh, excellent group. Sanders is um, kind of a jack of all trades. He can play inside or out. Um, pretty decent route runner, pretty decent catcher of the ball. Gabriel Davis was coming on at the end of last year, and they picked up uh, Jake Kumaro from uh, Green Bay, who is kind of a jack of all trades as well. So that's a, I think that's a pretty deep group. Headlined by Stefan Diggs, who's uh, uh, you know a, a very very uh, game changing type player. Uh, at tight end, they add Jacob Hollister. Uh, Dawson Knox is the incumbent. Tommy Sweeney's a blocking tight end who'll be coming off uh, injured reserve. Um, Dawson Knox is a draft choice that they in his third year. Uh, it's time for him to step up and, and be a full-time tight end if he's going to. Uh, otherwise, he's kind of a role player. But as a backup, Hollister is uh, uh, certainly in the passing game is a plus. Uh, he's not in the in the, in the run game. He's not a factor as a blocker. On the on the defensive line, uh, Deion Dawkins, Forrest Lamp, Mitch Morris, John Feliciano, and uh, Cody Ford remain in place. They add Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle through the draft, both huge guys who they expect, I think, to play uh, some uh, a, a backup role. Um, and and I, th I think this is, generally speaking, um, a pretty sound group. You'd like to see perhaps a more athletic left tackle than Dawkins, but with um, with the quarterback being as mobile as he is, they probably can get away with him there. Tyler Bass remains the kicker, and he's done a good job, which is uh, it's a difficult job in Buffalo, obviously, because of the wind and the varying weather conditions. On the defensive side of the ball, where, as Rick pointed out, they needed improvement, they were getting old with Mary Addison, Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes as outside rushers. 
So in the draft with the first two picks, they added Gregory Rousseau and Carlos uh, Boogie Basham, um, two diametrically opposed players. Rousseau is a long, thin guy who plays with speed, and uh, Basham is uh, a battering ram. He's a power rusher. Uh, both good players. Uh, Rousseau had a big year last year. Um, I think he's got work to do yet in terms of mastering the position and mastering uh, various moves, but nonetheless, a pretty good player. And A.J. Epinesa uh, played heavy last year. He's lost about 20 pounds and gotten faster, they tell me. So, uh, and he was a good player last year anyway. So, uh, that that's that's a that's five pretty good guys they have at that position, assuming the two rookies pan out. At uh, defensive tackle, they've got the returnees Ed Oliver, who's excellent. Vernon Butler, who can go out and slug, uh, you know, can go and slug it out. Harrison Phillips, who had a nice year last year. Starlo Tulele, uh, who did not have a nice year last year, <laughs> but uh, and, and maybe maybe fighting for a job. At inside linebacker, they picked up the uh, they picked up the uh, option of Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, they bring back Matt Milano, which was a great get. They paid him in free agency. He's the key to the defense because he can do so many things, a three-down player. Um, and uh, they, they keep uh, A.J. Klein, who's a good, solid backup. Uh, in the secondary, Tredavious White, Levi Wallace, Taron Johnson are back. Uh, those were the three that closed the season last year. Micah Hyde is back at safety along with his running mate, Jordan Poyer. Uh, and they add through free agency punter Matt Hack from the the uh, Miami Dolphins, who's played in Buffalo before. So it's not it's not that 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 change won't be terrifying for him. So if the the rush front can continue to play at a high level. That's where they dropped off last year. They weren't able to sack the quarterback or harass him as much as they did. So if these two rookies can step in and, and do a good job there as backup players, this should be a, a better uh, defense. And and it was darn good last year. The less they have to blitz, the better off they are. Which is a which is a good thing, and then one thing with that, Bill, in terms of what can fans expect from these young pass rushers? Is, this is a pretty tough transition into the NFL. There, we should not expect immediate returns from from either of these guys, right? No, they'll struggle probably for eight games, uh, and getting their feet on the ground. Ed Oliver did, uh, Jerry Hughes did, uh, and then once once the once they get their feet on the ground and understand what, what, what's expected of them and what it's like to play against the pros, uh, you'll start to see some results. But if they can take up some snaps from seven and nine techniques in obvious passing situations and maybe get a little pressure on the passer, even from the start, that would be a good thing because it gives the two older guys a rest, and they need it. Keep in mind, 17 games. Right. We don't know. We don't know what the what – the, the future holds with that. This is a uncharted waters, so we have to we have to get it figured out on the fly. Exactly, especially when you look at who they're playing, they could get some brutal stretches in terms of how it's laid out. 
Yeah. Always the case when you're the division champion. Very true. And especially when your bonus game's against the Washington football team. (laughs) (laughs) Where are we going next, Rick? So we are next, we are going to go to New England. Um, And obviously a a year unlike any in recent memory. Uh, The offense was anemic in, in many ways. Ranked in the in the in the high twenties in many categories, um, other than a decent per rush average, pretty bad overall. So uh, the defense um, a little better, I guess. The best you could call them is middle of the pack for the most part. Uh, so and they they sort of cleaned house, let a lot of guys go, Bill. So tell us about what's going to happen going into next year with your crystal ball. Well, I don't have a crystal ball. In fact, I got a, I got a balky, uh, got a balky iPad here. Uh, this is a team that that, in many areas, uh, went through a complete makeover. Cam Newton returns on a one-year deal, ostensibly as the starter. Mac Jones fell into their laps at fifteen, and they were wise to sit there and hope that he tumbled, and he did. They did a nice job of reading the board. Um, and, uh, so the question is, when does Mac Jones get on the field? Um, we'll know that when he gets on the field, because I'm sure Bill's not going to tell us. (laughs) Uh, How do you go about, you know, giving them, you know, their strengths, almost the polar opposite of one another. If you are trying to make him, you know, the quarterback who could maybe come in this year, I mean, what do you do with your offense? How do you set things up so that, there can be any kind of a transition. Uh, you just you give him different you give him different emphasis on the offense. He, he's he'll be a pocket passer. Uh, he'll read both sides of the field probably. Uh, Newton will be same as he's always been. He'll read one side of the field. He'll be on the move quite a bit. He'll have a lot of play action, etc. They just have different offenses for the the two quarterbacks. That's all. At running back, uh, Damian Harris emerged last year as a solid slam-bang power runner. Sonny Michel uh, was injured again last year, and his option was not picked up. Um, surprisingly, I thought they would. He did. They did not. Um, and uh, so he's one, as we speak right now, of 11 failures from the class of 2018, only three years in. Right. So... Um, Give it time, um, and we'll get to twenty-four, maybe. Well, we're we're, gonna, we're getting to sixteen. I'm pretty sure we're <laughs> going to hit the historical ad, average. Right, uh, that's for sure. Um, James White returns as uh, as the Swiss Army knife, particularly in the passing game. So I think this is a pretty stable uh, position. Um, well, and Bill, one thing with the running back thing and bringing in Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma, the the rookie running back. That's kind of a fun toy for them that they haven't had since LeGarrette Blunt. I mean, six foot, two forty-seven. You could see that being kind of a fun thing, maybe early on for them. I don't think Bill believes in much fun, to tell you the truth. I think this kid's <laughs> going to have to. This kid's going to have to uh, earn his stripes, and and figure out you know what it's all about before he even thinks about getting on the field. Uh, could he be the short yardage blaster? Maybe. Uh, but how do you carry? He's going to have to play on special teams to begin with because 
Bill carries four to five players who are special teams specialists who do only that. So this guy would have to beat one of those guys out in order to dress on Sunday. Right. Uh, Jacob Johnson returns as the fullback. Whether Stevenson can beat him out as the fullback or not remains to be seen. Um, whether they have a fullback remains to be seen. Uh, Nelson Aguilar returns after a good year. Demir Bird returns after a so-so year. Keneal uh, 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 Harry was in the uh, witness protection program last year. <laughs> uh, another, you know, top draft choice who really hasn't panned out. Gunnar Olszewski is a very valuable special teams player, both as a return man and a cover guy. So I think he makes the team unless there's uh, some uh, an upset or an injury along the way. Trey Nixon, uh, they drafted, and so he'll get an opportunity to show what he can do in camp. Kendrick Bourne uh, and Jacoby Myers uh, return as, as backups. Matthew Slater is the probably the best special teams player in the league, and he does only that. They list him as a wide receiver. I, I doubt that he's had 50 snaps in his career at wide receiver. Um <clears throat> At tight end, they completely remade the position. Um, Devin Assisi and Dalton uh, Keene were injured last year. Uh, Matt Lacoste is a, a, a journeyman player. So they went for big money on Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, and that's a huge upgrade at the position. Whether Assisi or Keene or Lacoste makes the team remains to be seen. We'll figure that out in September. At left tackle, Isaiah Wynn is coming off injury, uh, but is a good player. Jermaine Illuminor uh, made the team last year and, and did, a, did a really good job. Uh, so that was a find for them. Uh, James Ferentz, who, by the way, is the son of Kirk Ferentz, the coach at Iowa, and a former member of Bill, Parcell, uh, Bill uh, Belichick's staff, is, is listed as the starting center. Uh, don't know if David Andrews can beat him out. Joe Cardona's a snapper, long snapper. Ted Karras returns from exile in Houston, I think. And uh, uh, so he, he and Shaq Mason will fight it out for the right guard, maybe the center spot. Karras is a Swiss Army knife. He can play all over. Uh, and Trent Brown returns from exile. So... Uh, uh, the, the, Trent Brown is an upgrade over what they had. I think Karras uh, is probably an upgrade over what they had as a as a solid all around backup. Um, so this looks like a you know reasonably good group. And the question remains: Can Isaiah Win stay healthy and become the left tackle that they hoped he would be when they drafted him? The kicker is Nick Folk, who had a good year last year. He's been around, as you know, a long time. Uh, these guys tend to blow hot and cold, although they've had a stable kicking situation forever. A very long time. Uh, yeah, for a long, long time. So, uh, you know, this is the first time they've had an unsettled one last year. Uh, but hopefully, you know, maybe Folk has, has found his uh, his niche. He likes he, He's figured out that clam chowder helps his kicking. Yeah, so. Which is a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing, right. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, they become a different team based on 
what they've done. Uh, Lawrence Guy and Henry Anderson return. Dietrich Wise returns at defensive end. This is a 3-4, by the way. And the nose tackle is Devin Gotcha, who they bring in from Miami in free agency, backed up by Brian Cowart. Godshaw got the more fun apprentice program in Miami versus Houston. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Right. He was uh, he was exiled, but but uh, but not to Elba. Right. Um, the uh, uh, Juwan Bentley returns inside. Dante Hightower returns from having opted out, and he's a big key to the defense. Raekwon McMillan, I thought, had a good year last year. I think I thought toward the end they were just trying to, they were just figuring out how to use him uh, as a blitzer. And uh, Ainferny Jennings uh, makes appearances from time to time and, and, and plays well. So Hightower is the guy that plays every down, and he does numerous things. He's an outside rusher. He's an inside linebacker. He's a dropper. He, he truly is the Swiss Army knife. Um, we forgot to mention Barmore, who does not appear on my depth chart here, who they traded up for in the draft. Um, Barmore is a guy who uh, underachieved at Alabama. He, he was, he's got some, shows you flashes of really good inside pass rush. Uh, but it's only flashes. So if they can get it out of him, uh, they will have improved that position greatly because what they did with the linebacker situation, they brought back Kyle Van Oy, who was also sent down to Miami for uh, a one-year hiatus, and then they brought him back up. Miami is there, despite the fact that they played him as their AAA team. I guess it's like the Yankees playing Scranton in an exhibition game. Exactly. Except that they play Twice a year, and the games count. It's your it's your postgraduate program. Yeah, you're right. Graduate transfer. Exactly. Yeah, there you yeah. go. And uh, Chase Woodovich uh, uh, and Matt Judon give them the first legitimate outside rushing combination that they've had in quite some time. So uh, the 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 Winovich choice a couple of years ago and the Judon pickup in free agency uh, coupled with Van Noy and Hightower. That's the four linebackers that are going to be on the field in nickel. Right. So uh, that, that's pretty good. Stefan Gilmore entering his contract year, I believe, uh, comes back at corner and he's excellent. J.C. Jackson had a good year. They bring in Jalen Mills. Um, it, I'm interested to see how they're going to play him. Um, I think he's an inside guy. I didn't think he was kind of tough enough to be a Patriot secondary guy, but we'll find out. <laughs> um, he's not in the mold of their usual guys. And Jonathan Jones is a you know a good steady backup. Devin McCourty returns at free safety. Uh, Justin Bethel is a... Uh, a very solid special teams player. Um, Adrian Phillips returns at strong safety, backed up by Kyle Duggar. 
and uh, Brandon King, who's coming off IR, and Jake Bailey's the punter. So um, if you go back to their Super Bowl team of two years ago, uh, that linebacking group is now back from their uh, sabbatical, if you will, and uh, two of them are, and 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 they've added Judon, so uh, and and Barmore. It looks like a to me like a pretty formidable nickel group, and and the reason they did all of this is because they have to play against Buffalo, where they're going to have to be in nickel a good portion of the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So this could be a needle move up situation in New England. I mean, do you think sort of the kind of dumb fan in me thought they get Mac Jones, this feels like Flacco coming to Baltimore where this could maybe be a team that could be a fringe championship team in the AFC? Well, I don't think Mac Jones is going to make a difference this year. Maybe down the road. Right. Maybe down the road. But you think this will just be all cam this year? Probably play. I don't know that it'll be all cam, but... Jones is, you know, Jones is a rookie quarterback, <laughs> you know, who's, who's played one and a half years at Alabama. So, I mean, I, I don't know that he's ready to be in a pennant race just yet, even right. though he's a smart kid. And, and Bill, I guess that's sort of what it, maybe I can uh, elaborate on what I was asking. You know, uh, you know, backups, you know, get, so, you know, so few snaps um, with the starters. Obviously, as you said, it, it would be a completely different kind of offense. So, I mean, would, would that tend to say in trying to develop a guy when the offense is going in a different direction, you know, in terms of what, what, what the, the game plan is for the upcoming game, if he's getting any snaps with them, I mean, would that take longer to develop him than you would have two, two sort of similarly situated quarterbacks? No, because their game plan changes week to week. It's specific to the opponent they're playing week to week. And enough that it, that the differential between those two guys kind of blurs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They just have different. They have a different game plan for each guy. That's all. That's what you do if you back up. If the shoe were on the other foot, imagine the shoe on the other foot, and and Cam is the backup. You wouldn't ask him to run right the, the Jones offense. He'd have a he'd have a scaled down, separate offense that he'd run. So, mm-hmm. it's just just reverse it. That's all. Well, if my shoes were on my other feet, I would just be walking in circles. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'd, I'd be, be falling, falling down. down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't think you're going to fill Cam's shoes either way, anyway. So, hey, you never know. Okay, so we now go to the Miami Dolphins. So even though they may be the uh, the farm team, they obviously outplayed the major club. You know, going ten and six, um, they uh, had a plus differential. Unlike the first two teams we've talked about, they averaged twenty five point five a game, gave up twenty one point four for a differential of four point one. Uh, the the uh, offense overall was sort of a a, a mid tier offense, but the defense was uh, ranked overall sixth in the league. So uh, so so hence the better season. Take us through it, Bill. Well, well, a quarterback, quarterback they returned to, to a, despite a lot of sound and fury about perhaps letting him go, which I think was nothing more than baloney. Jacoby Brissett is the backup, so they're in pretty good shape right there. And by the way, there is your situation where one game plan for one, one for the other. Yep. They don't want Tua running around with the, with the bad hit. Um 
The running back, Michael Gaskin, had a nice year. He solidified the position. Um, somebody's going to have to jump out and be the backup. And uh, well, that, that's one to keep an eye on in training camp. Somebody's got to establish themselves as the backup. Right. right now, I can't say who it is. Um, at wide receiver, Devontae Parker returns as a, as a, as a, as a solid player. Um, they added Will Fuller, who will be suspended for the first two games. Um, he misses a lot of games and he drops a lot of passes, but he is fast. And uh, so, you know, they like him. They think he brings an addition that they don't have. The key, of course, is Jalen Waddell, um, who it's going to be interesting to see where they play him. I think he's a slot myself. But I don't know if he's strong enough to go in the middle and take the beating in there. Um, so how they deploy him is going to be interesting. He's got great speed. He's got home run speed after the catch. He's got really good hands. He runs good routes. The problem is he's a little bit small and injury prone. He had a bad injury last year. Um, but nonetheless, uh, a difference maker with the ball in his hands. Alan Hearns comes uh, back from an opt-out. He's a veteran receiver. So with the addition of Waddle, this this is a good group. Um, and Jakeem uh, Grant, who is a really good return man, uh, you know, is, is in that mix. Albert Wilson, coming back off an opt-out, is in that mix. So this is a strong group. Um they'll probably end up trading somebody from this group at the cut to 53 right. for, to, for a receiver-needing team. A lot of guys who do the same kind of thing, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, Mike Gesicki is the, is the tight him. end and a, and a good one. Yeah, yeah. Everybody loves him. He's a great pass catcher. He's a better blocker than people think. Savvy makes, makes a lot of big plays. Um, Hunter Long was drafted. He's from Boston College. He is much more a traditional tight end, uh, 255 pounds, knock you around guy, but he can run and catch. Uh, Durham Smythe um, from Notre Dame is the same guy as Hunter Long, maybe a little bit better pass catcher. And Adam Shaheen has somehow um, melted into the ether. I thought that he had a chance to be a pretty good Pass catching tight end, but it hasn't worked out quite that way. Um, so again, a pretty strong position. Likely somebody comes out of there. You know, there's likely a uh, some movement out of that position. Um, Michael Dieter is a returnee at left guard. Matt Skura uh, returns at center. Solomon Kindley at right guard. Jesse Davis at right tackle, and the left tackle is likely going to be Liam Eikenberg. And that, to me, is a... Uh, <laughs> it's a uh, nerve-wracking, right? Yes. Uh, but we'll see, you know. Somebody's got to win the job. Can someone beat him out? Uh, we'll find out. Um, the, the, you know, people are higher on him than I am. He's a good, solid kid. I just don't think he has enough athleticism to play the position. He would make more Jason. sense at guard, don't you think? No, I'd put him at right tackle. Okay. 
Yeah, I'd put him at right tackle. Um, I don't think he's pounder enough to play guard. Right. DJ Fluker, by the way, uh, returns in his role as a Swiss Army knife. He can he can play every position except center. Uh, yeah, he is great to have. Now, on the uh, defensive side of the ball... Mm-hmm. Before you jump over, uh, with your previous uh, either Shakespearean or Faulknerian reference to the sound and fury, um, can you give us your sense of Tua after this that year? And, you know, obviously you've, you've had so many great quarterbacks, but and you saw a great quarterback in Peyton have a terrible first year, so you have perspective. I mean, what, you know, right now, are you are, are you putting your money on him, or is he not what everybody thought he could potentially be, just from the small sample size you have? I like what he's done thus far. I want to see more. I wouldn't have moved him. Uh, I like what he's done thus far. I saw improvement. Uh, don't forget he's had two offensive coordinators in two years. That doesn't help. Right. So... Uh, but I, I like what I've seen, seen thus far. It also doesn't help when the guy drafted one pick after you plays the greatest rookie season in the history of the NFL quarterback, right? I don't know that he's focused on that necessarily. I, I was hoping that's what you'd say because that's kind of what I saw, and I, I, I'd love to see him succeed. So, But, okay, defense, we're, it's a go. Uh, Christian Wilkins and, and Roquan, this, again, this is a, a, a New England 3-4. Um, Christian Wilkins, Raekwon Davis, Jason Strobridge. They drafted Jalen Phillips. Um, he does not, absolutely does not fit as a traditional 3-4 defensive end. He really belongs in the outside linebacker rush category. That's what he is. He's a designated rusher. They got him on the depth chart in another area here, but he's not a, he's not a big guy. Right. He's not. Uh, a, a masher inside. Uh, Zach Seiler and John Jenkins are the are the nose tackles. Uh, they bring over Bernard McKinney uh, from Houston. He's uh, freed from uh, exile in Houston. He's a big thumper uh, who who's got a nose for the ball. He's he's pretty good. He's the same player basically as Elandon Roberts, except bigger and stronger. Uh, with more punch. Brennan Scarlett is a pretty good special teams guy. Calvin Munson is a uh, a good backup. But, you know, the, 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 the McKinney pickup, I like. That makes him a lot stronger against the run. Uh, Emmanuel Ogba uh, is one of the outside guys. Uh, he and Phillips will be the outside guys, I think, when it's all said and done, if Phillips can hold up physically. That's the question. Um, Vince Beagle, Andrew Van Ginkle, uh, they're all backup players. In the secondary, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, and Noor Igbenogamy return, and they're all very good. Bobby McLean, I really like it, free safety. Bobby's played everywhere. He's played corner, he's played slot, he's played strong safety, and wherever he goes, he's really good. Um, they drafted uh, Jevon Holland, Javon Holland, I should say, because Bobby has has been around a while since the year of the flood, it seems to me. But right. he's uh, uh, he still plays well. But they needed an infusion of use there. And then Eric Rowe, late of the New England Patriots, 
uh, is the uh, is the strong safety, and he's he's pretty good. Coverage is not his strong suit, hence uh, McCain and 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 Holland having to play behind him. And uh, Michael Pilardi, late of the Carolina Panthers, is the punter. He was released, picked up there, won the job. So um, the additions that they made were solid. The returnees uh, were good. And uh, if anything, they should be uh, a little bit better on defense. I think that the key is going to be Phillips. Can he give them a consistent outside rush? Uh, and can he stay healthy? Those are the two biggest questions with him. Right. I mean, hey, Bill, real quick, before we jump into the Jets, because I think they're in a kind of a separate category, in looking at these three rosters with sort of your GM hat on, which what roster do you think is the best, and which one do you think you would like to be the GM of the most if you had if you had a roster of the of the Patriots, the uh, the Patriots, the Bills, and the uh, Dolphins? I think I'd take the Bills. That's not sentimental. Um, I, I think they, I think their quarterback uh, is just coming into his own, and I think they've got weapons enough uh, to really make use of them, and I and I think that the defense uh, is going to be sound for a little while yet. The uh, I don't know that the Miami defense has established themselves just yet. And and New England is a is a rerun, you know. That's the they're bringing the old gang back together again, and underline the word old. So, um, but hey, we live in a world of movie reboots. I think yeah, we like uh, these. That's right. That's right. So I, I mean, it's close, but on balance, I'd take the Bills. Right. But my le- my sense is you at least have some curiosity on what New England's going to look like next year, if not a lean that you think they might be okay. Well, you know, I, I think I think they'll be fine if they get solid quarterback play. So the question is, who can give them that? Yeah, yeah, right. Cam was awful last year, but everybody made excuses for him because, well, he had no no talent, and that's true. Uh, you know, no line, et cetera, et cetera. Let's see what he can do this year. Hats on him. It would be fun to find out. Can you win running the ball 70 times in the NFL? I don't think they'll do well in Baltimore, does yeah, it? Yeah, it's true. I'm sitting in a place that proved you can. I don't think they I don't think they will do that. Uh, you know, unless Mac Jones has to play. I, I think they'll I think their offense will be a little more a little more wide open than that. But um you know them. If they feel like they can win by running it 70 times, they're going to do, do it. it. Yeah. If they feel they have to throw it 70 times, they'll throw it 70 times. The problem was last year they couldn't do it because they couldn't protect him and he couldn't find the open guy anyway. Right. And as you said, it also can change week to week. <laughs> yeah. Well, it changes week to week based on the opponent. Yeah, exactly. That's what I meant. 
All right, before we dive into the next two teams in our breakdown of the AFC East, we know we don't look at these teams with rose-colored glasses. No, 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 no. We look at these teams through our Canaan lenses. That's right. We want to take a minute to talk about our favorite sunglass company in the world, Canaan. Canaan sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimum clarity. They're made with Japanese optics. They make their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger. They're Italian handcrafted frames that are literally impossible to scratch. I had them out on the golf course this weekend and definitely had a few toddies and put these things through the test and they truly came back looking as good as new. So what are you waiting for? Head over to Kanan and when you do, use our exclusive code KananCast15 at Kanan.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's right, KananCast15 at Kanan.com. That's KananCast, K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T 15 at Kanan.com. Kanan, clearly better. Okay. Okay. So we go to the to the you know someone as Scott said in a very different or team in a very different position, you know the Jets at uh, two and fourteen who their offense was ranked uh, thirty two in half of the offensive categories and the highest of any of the, of the major uh, categories they were twenty four the the defense uh, was a little bit better they hit twelve in terms of rushing yards given up but they were in the thirties. Um, and the low 20s um, as well. So let me start off, Bill, asking you this, though. Obviously, the big thing was the Darnold trade. Uh, You have taught us in past shows the tremendous possibility of even first-round quarterbacks bombing out or being mediocre at best. If you had had a quarterback of that quality, would you have gotten rid of him and taken your chances in the draft? I can't answer that because I'm not around them on a day-to-day basis. And that's the only way you can, that's the only way you can know. Does he prepare well enough? Is he sharp enough? Does he make good decisions? Does he carry out the game plan? Um, You don't know that. So uh, I I really can't answer the question. I, I would probably not have quit on him as quickly as they did. But I don't know what they know. Right. And, and, I mean, it's that simple. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, maybe I could ask it a different way. In terms of just even the performance he's had, okay, statistically, what what are the chances of getting a rookie quarterback who's going to be able to come in and, and just do better than his predecessor did in the years he was there? Uh, there, there isn't that. But... He's not going to do better, but they're assuming that they that they would not have had any growth with Donald. That Donald had plateaued; he wasn't going to get any better. Yeah. So, this player, uh, Wilson, is 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 going to is going to get better. They think. Uh, they think that his upside is is better than Donald's upside. My wife's fear in watching the draft is at that size he's going to die. Wilson? Yeah. Uh, well, you worry about it. You certainly do worry about it. I mean, he is little. Uh, he is little. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And I just worry about anybody's psyche because you could future casting out. Let's say Sam excels in the Joe Brady offense with Matt Rule some different minds, Zach Wilson struggles out of the gate because you got to think he's the starter day one looking at the roster, and obviously we'll get into it. 
that's gonna that could be a tough first year in New York, both personally and professionally. Well, New York, Philadelphia, Boston, and baseball mm-hmm. can make you or break you. Yeah. And if you're if you're strong enough, you fight through it, like Eli did, mm-hmm. like Phil Sims did. If you're not, you crack, right. and you don't make it. And, and you know, I have no proof of this, but just from the times I've seen him interviewed, I've seen people on his team talk. I mean, he seems like a pretty strong guy to me, Scott. He seems like a guy who can can. If I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I I don't see this guy cracking. Well, you haven't seen his uh, you haven't seen his psychological exam, so you don't have anything to go on. <laughs> no, <laughs> going on my uh, my own years in life and human nature. I'm I'm going on my wife's eye test in years of Jet fandom and going, he's going to die. <laughs> There's just no way. The physical part of it is real. Wife condemned anyone else to the death penalty over the years? Or? I, I just think her sense is just looking at him. I mean, you know, you obviously add Vera Tucker and you add Becton, but there's problems on the offensive line, and he's just not big. Well, speaking of that, why don't we Let's let play. Bill take us through it? All right, well, we, we've got Zach Wilson, and it looks like he'll be the starter on opening day. Woo! <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> it, it could be it, it could be a rough go. Uh, LaMichael Piran, I thought, showed some get-up-and-go as a running back last year. Then he got hurt. Uh, they drafted Michael Carter, who is a dynamite player with the ball in his hand. And this is not a big big group. I mean, this is this no, is gonna be t- it's not. This is this this could be weird. Yeah. Um so at at wide receiver they add Corey Davis, who did not set the world on fire in Tennessee, but who is serviceable. Serviceable. And at least he's tall. And he is tall. Yes, that's correct. Right. Uh they also add Elijah Moore, who is not tall. He is five feet eight. Exactly. Lord knows what he weighs. Uh, and your guess is as good as mine. Now, he's dynamite with the ball in his hand. He's a dynamite route runner. He's a 4-3-9 guy. Yeah, I get all that. But it's hard for little guys, uh, you know, to play over 17 games in the NFL. They're going to save a lot of money in catering. <laughs> until proven otherwise he's a little guy <laughs> i mean the good news for the johnson family is you're saving a few bucks on a couple of meals um yeah at the at the denzel mims is uh is i think has a chance to develop we'll see what the new coaching staff does with him he's not a throwaway guy uh jameson crowder is a hard-nosed uh, you know, poor man's uh, Edelman, who does all the dirty work over the middle. The question is, you know, is his, will his body hold up? Right. And Brexton Barrios is a poor man's Jamison Crowder. Right. So, <laughs> uh, you know, they're they're actually they're both. You'd like to have them both on the team. But I, I don't know if they hold up over the course of a, of a season as your full-time slot. Uh, Chris Herndon is a decent tight end uh, with upside, and he's getting better. 
And Ryan Griffin is a good, solid backup who can catch the ball and run. And they added Kenny Yaboa in the draft, who's a receiving tight end, who's, who's pretty good. So he'll make a run for, for the squad, and they may end up with three tight ends, which, which would be helpful. Uh, because the rest of it is other than, than, you know, the guy that came over from Tennessee, they're, they're all pretty on the small side. Um, Makai Becton was injured last year. He didn't set the world on fire when he played. Um, the, the draft industrial complex, when a guy lines up and plays and doesn't trip over himself and get five penalties, automatically anoints him a pro bowler. That was not the case, but he did show signs of, of being able to handle the position. Uh, George Fant is a, is, a, is a backup. Alex Lewis returns at, uh, at, at, at uh, left guard. Dan Feeney returns at center. Connor McGovern comes over in free agency. Greg Van Rotten is at, uh, at, at, at right guard. And uh, I, I think the right tackle position is, is up for grabs. And it could be Elijah Vera Tucker when it's all said and done. Chuma uh, is over there now in the draft chat, but it could be Elijah Vera Tucker when it's all said and done. Right. Uh, that He is a really good addition. He's going to play somewhere on that offensive line and improve them. Uh, they bring over Chase McLaughlin as a place kicker. He's, he's had some, uh, he's had some success and Sam Ficken is the, is the incumbent. So if um, Zach Wilson is going to start, uh, it'll be a long year in the Meadowlands offensively. Yeah. Um, simply because there's not enough firepower around him to, to make stuff happen, and he's a young guy coming in anyway. And they don't have anybody else. That's what's surprising to me. You would think that they'd, they'd, they'd go get a veteran who could – who could stand the gaff if anything were to happen to Wilson. You would certainly think, I mean, is that something that maybe they do later in the offseason? Yeah, yes, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. They might pick a guy up uh, even at the cut to 53 on waivers or trade for somebody. It's a position that needs to be filled. And you'd pick up a veteran guy who could right, just jump in learning the system and do it, so yeah, you hope they get that. Yeah. You just got to hope for his mental psyche – that he plays okay and Sam doesn't set the world on fire in Carolina. Yeah, I, you know, that's a storyline. I'm not sure that he's worrying about Sam Darnold. He's in the other conference. Right. If he reads the New York Post and the New York Daily News, he should be committed anyway. I mean, everything he does, it's coming to him because why would you read it? Right. He should have no. The, if I were the GM, I would take the radio out of his car, make sure that there were no radios in his home, uh, and, and make sure that no <laughs> newspapers got anywhere near where he was seated. Exactly. Uh, because nothing good can come of engaging in that. Um, on defense, Carl Lawson, uh, this now is going to be Seattle slash San Francisco defense. So this is different than any defense they've played in recent memory. So completely different approach. 
Um, I happen to like it, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Carl Lawson and Vinnie Curry play, I think, the strong end. Um, I don't know who the flop end is going to be. Kyle Phillips, maybe. Uh, maybe it's Vinnie Curry. I don't know. Um, we'll find out. At defensive tackle, Quinn and Williams, who I think I read a little while ago got hurt today, broke his foot or something. That's, that's the story coming out. Yeah. Now, whether he's working out or who knows. But anyway, he was on IR last year. So that becomes a problem, even though he's a good player. Sheldon Rankins comes over from uh, from uh, New Orleans, and he'll be he'll be solid. Um, so that's you know that's two good guys they have there. Bill, I'm thinking through the Quinn and Williams thing in a normal world with a player like that, new system, two kind of tough early years. How big a deal is that for him missing this eight to ten weeks? No, oh, it's big. Okay. Yeah, it's big. And inside linebacker, you got C.J. Mosley, who's a big thumper. He doesn't run well enough, I don't think, to play in this defense. But he's so uh, instinctive that if he's healthy, I'll bet he gets on the field. Um, he's not gonna. He's not gonna be a star the way he was in the old system, but. I'll bet he gets on the field. He's a, he's a pretty resourceful guy. And then the other lineman, the other one's up for grabs there. Jared Davis, Blake Cashman. I mean, you know, it's anybody's guess. Um, and then at corner, uh, Bryce Hall returns from injured reserve. And Blasson Austin, Corey Ballantyne, Justin Hardy, Jason Pinnock, who they drafted, Brandon Eccles, who they drafted. Um I wouldn't be surprised to see those two rookies in the lineup pretty soon. Right. Because I don't think they have very many other corners who can kind of play um, the way Robert wants them to play. I was surprised that they didn't attack that position more in the draft, very honestly. Um, Marcus May is at free safety. He's a, you know, a solid player, and he'll play better in this system than he did in the old one. LaMarcus Joyner, um, eh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, so somebody's got to emerge there. This is clearly, clearly, clearly a work in progress. Right. It's a new coaching staff. It's a new system. It's a big departure from what they played in the past. They're going to have to get to know the players. The players are going to have to know them. This is a shakedown year. Right. They'll be, I wouldn't be surprised if they're drafting high again next year. Yeah. But this is one where, from a fan perspective, I think if you go into that with that mindset, what are the things that you want to see from a, the needle pointing up towards the end of this season? Well, I mean, you know, if it's, if it's Wilson that's playing, I, I want to see him understand how to call a play, understand, get the offense in and out of the huddle, Maybe be able to be confident operationally in two minute, uh, be poised, not running around like a crazy man, uh, you know that kind of thing. Right. If if you could, if from Thanksgiving on you see that, it's been a positive year. Perfect. 
I mean, it, and just, I mean, he, to, again, I'll just, I'll ask it this way, Bill. I mean, in terms of all the throws he can make, it, 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 it seemed like those are there. I mean, and it's more, it's more um, adjusting to the next level and gaining your confidence. Not, and I know he's small, Scott, but I mean, he seems to be able to physically do what one needs to do to play quarterback in the NFL. He threw a lot of jump balls. Yeah, he did. He threw a lot. And maybe, maybe he doesn't have the guys who can win the jump balls. I don't know. Yeah. That may be that may be the offense too. You know. Yeah. Yep. I I don't know. We're gonna find out. All right. Well, we're gonna find out. That is the AFC East in a nutshell. We had a lot of questions. I don't know if you heard, but big story draft night, and we got a bazillion questions on Twitter. So we're gonna give we're gonna give the award this week in the Audible to a Grim Josie, who uh, is I think one of our bigger fans, and he said would love to hear Bill's take on the Aaron Rodgers situation and the Packers' path from here on the next pod. It would be very insightful. So uh, I feel like if you have a podcast where you're talking about football, we got we got to hit on this. What's going on there? How do you see this playing out? Uh, how do how do the Packers move forward? Well, let's separate fact from fiction, um, fact from storyline narrative, uh, because a lot of this is storyline and narrative clickbait, uh, you know, driving talk shows, etc. Here are the facts. The most overriding fact is that Aaron uh, Rodgers has a valid contract with the Green Bay Packers that runs for two more seasons. It carries with it some cap ramifications in terms of dead money. And uh, that is the overriding fact. So all Aaron Rodgers can do, if in fact he's unhappy, is go into the Packers and say, I want to be traded. If the Packers say no, he has one choice, or two choices, I should say. One is to play, and the other is to go home and host Jeopardy or some other television show. And in which case, if he goes home, then the Packers save all that salary money that they otherwise would pay him, which makes their cap situation the following year uh, even better, uh, because he's he would he, he would have to he would have to retire. Otherwise, he'd be on the Love Squad. He doesn't want to do that. So those are his only choices. Uh, now the lunacy. Or the fantasy, let me put it, the fantasy is a better word, that uh, that is floating around on television and in the ether and on the Internet. Uh, some of them are laughable. One today was, well, Aaron Rodgers can veto any trade because he can say, I'm not going there. Well, where are you going? Right. You're going home. Okay. Fair enough. See you. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> so he has no leverage, which is why his people are trying to create a uh, a, a, a manure storm uh, to try and force the Packers to think 
that he has leverage. He has none. Not, you know, and a step further, uh, even if he one way or another sat out the year, the contract is told. So whenever he wants to come back, he still has rem his remaining years of obligation to the Green Bay Packers. So it's That's not correct. like you can just say, oh, I won't earn a salary for a year and I'll host Jeopardy. He, you know, he, he, he comes back and he's back where he was the day he left. What happens if he shows up week 10? If he shows up week 10, uh, he gets credit for his free agency year. I'm sorry, gets credit toward free agency. He would have honored the contract from a, from a free agency standpoint. He would not have been paid for the first nine weeks of the season. Uh, from pension credit, he would get credit for this season. And, and then he would be in this very same situation. And if, if, and if he doesn't actually retire, um, you know, then, you know, he, when he goes on the left camp, did not report list, that actually requires, he has to apply the commissioner's office to come back. So, you know, it's not like he's just going to sit around and do this lightly. Like, so like you say, if you can't really do anything, you talk about doing something. But, you know, players in the NFL, you know, have, have come a long way. The, 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 obviously, not only in terms of compensation, but when you get into a situation like this, the team has all the cards the way I see it. Well, and you would have to think that the league would be pretty steadfast behind the Packers to not create a situation here where he can get his way out of Green Bay, where it sets a precedent for this situation happening over and over again, a la the NBA. Well, the league is not going to let people tamper the way the NBA does. That Of that, I'm sure, because there will be enough, uh, enough owners hollering about that that the commissioner would have to take action. The, the tampering that goes on with players in the NBA is disgraceful. And the fact that players walk out of their contracts in the NBA is disgraceful. But that's because many of the general managers are not basketball people. They're, they're trained economists, and they see the players only as chess pieces, as assets in a, in a financial equation. And as a result, uh, don't understand the chemistry of the locker room or how the coach has to deal with a team that's, that's you know, mutinous or things of that nature. So um, the last thing we want is the NBA. That's what they do is disgraceful uh, because the player signed the contract of his own free will. Right. You know, no one forced him to sign the contract. And the collective bargaining agreement says you have to iron, honor the contract. But, of course, agents take the position – I signed the contract, but so what? You know, it's, you know I, I, I'm, I'm going to do what I want. Well, as a general manager, as a club president, as an owner, you have to say, no, you're not going to do what you want. And furthermore, we don't have 12 guys on every team. We have 53. So right. if you let this go on, uh, it would be a bad, 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 bad situation. You know, obviously with my background at the Players Association and representing players, I understand their side of it. But... You know, and because most guys, you know, never make it past the first contract, never have an, an opportunity for meaningful free agency. The career is shorter than the first contract on average. But, you know, here's a guy who's earned tons and tons of money and has had ample opportunity to, if you didn't like it someplace, go out. But he's in the middle of a contract he agreed to. And I'm, you know, I'm a player's guy, but I agree here. Uh, when you're in that situation, you got to honor the contract. I mean, otherwise, it really is just anarchy. 
So, so let me just ask to sort of cycling through kind of the media myth notion. So mechanically, if he did the comeback week 10 route, which probably mm-hmm. at some level is the most aggravating thing for the Packers potentially, he would have to, he would leave camp and then have to apply to allow them to let him come back. Well, if he, if first of all, if he left camp or, or didn't report, if he on the did not report list, um, then I, I think he's too smart to leave camp because leave if once you get you sent a five day letter when you leave camp you have to be back in five days or you're done for the year. Okay, so that's where you have to apply. I, I, I don't think he's I don't think he's going to do that. Okay, I think what he'll do is stay home. In which case, uh, he he's going to have to either retire or the the club will fine him for conduct detrimental for not honoring his contract right, right. and but isn't the as i remember the the, the bylaws bill uh the list is the left camp slash did not report list no they're two different lists it the but the the rule blended the two in terms of it, at least when I, I i did the john riggins grievance over this where you, you, when you'll remember that Scott, when when uh, Riggins, in an effort to get around this, uh, sent the the then Redskins uh, the, a retirement letter, and at the grievance he they challenged that, and he said, "Well, it depends if you view retirement as a noun or a verb." But the the um, the, the way the rule was interpreted, at least at that point in that grievance, was that if he did, you know, you you couldn't if you retire if you really did retire then that exempted you from the system. But if you didn't say you were retiring and you still did not report, you, can, you, you, you still could not, uh, your, your contract didn't move forward. You were, you were fined and, um, you know, it was to- and, and it was told again. Now, maybe they did change the rules since then, but at that point, you, you, it was told when you, you know, when you also didn't report. Well, I, I don't believe he's, he's not going to report because that, that exposes him to penalties Right. In addition to losing, in addition to losing the money, he'll retire. What he will do is retire. In which case, he has to send a retirement letter. Right. And then, if he wishes to unretire at some point in time, he has to come back and apply for reinstatement. He loses the money that he would have been paid while he's on retirement, and. Uh, and and so he could come back. At that point in time, it's 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 really a mess because he's walked out on his teammates, and he's walked out on the fans. So now that situation that you're describing is just a mess, and so you know now this is like a labor dispute. Once. When you're talking, when the when the situation is somewhat fluid and you can discuss things, you have a chance to settle it. Once you start poking people in the eye with a sharp stick, they tend to poke back. So um, what's going on now is that they're trying to convince him to come in 
they don't have to deal with it until August to begin with. And secondly, um, it's their decision. They can decide whether or not they want to move him. Um, or they can decide, no, we're not going to, which is what they've said thus far. Now, <laughs> having said it and doing it are two different things. I recognize that. But he doesn't. What I'm trying to say is that he doesn't have any leverage. The, the mouthpieces for the players on television and the players themselves who are weeping and wailing about being cut and all the other things they agreed to in this collective bargaining agreement uh, are, are just off the mark. He doesn't have any leverage other than that which the Packers are willing to afford him if they're in a position uh, where they might entertain a trade. Also, he has he does not have a no-trade clause. The fact that, as was said today, well, he has a no-trade because he can say, I won't go there. Well, yeah, you, you can say that. You can go home. Yeah, right. That, that just puts you right back what we're talking about with the other thing. Because somebody else has his contract then. All right, so just two clarifying questions. So if he retires and then unretires and gets reinstated, he's still a Packer, correct? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And then two, the only minute probably amount of leverage he has is by threatening to retire and then the Packers convincing themselves or getting the impression that they'd be better off getting something in return return for him than nothing. That's the Wall Street guy's argument in the NBA. Okay. And my, my retort to that is you're setting a – Dangerous, dangerous precedent. And what I'd get for him in return does nothing, doesn't even come close to the damage that you've done to the integrity of the system. Right. And how would that work? So is this complicated at all by the fact that they don't sort of have a quote-unquote owner? No, no, no. Actually, it's easier. Because uh, Mark Murphy's not going to get emotional about it. An owner might very well get emotional and also be subject to cajoling from, from some other owner or owners. Right. But my, my other question being, would it be worse that they don't have an owner in the sense that they would be, Mark Murphy would be more willing to get an asset since he doesn't own the team? No. They, they, well, first of all, they have a board of directors who represents all of the myriad stockholders, all the people like my son who owns one share of stock. Um, that board is pretty powerful. And on issues like this, Mark has to afford them um, a voice and some consideration. But Mark is a lawyer in addition to being a, uh, uh, he's a not only is he a lawyer, He's a former Players Association lawyer and and a former player. So he understands completely what's at issue here. So they would be probably foolish um, and in the end probably wouldn't go against his wishes. Um, there's they do have to, he has to afford them some deference, the board of directors. But it's it's not like an owner, right? You know, 
an owner can get emotional, start pounding the table. You got to talk them off the ledge. You have, you, you, sometimes you have to talk them through all the all the alternatives. He's listening to three other guys that are calling him, saying, "Do this, do this, do this." That, that's that's a much more difficult situation. The people that put that that forth, I read that article, and it was clear that it was coming from someone who's never been inside a club, right? Or never had to deal with an owner, right? <laughs> <laughs> Remember the guy, the judge who was the head of the committee? Yeah, Judge Parents, great guy. Uh, but you know, the other thing is, look at it the other way. Look where, to me, where he is in his career. And he's coming off an MVP year. At this point, are you really going to try and sit out a year or two to try and force somebody to do something? I mean, talk about, you know, cutting off your throwing arm despite your face. I mean, I, I, I just don't believe it'll happen. Remember what I said at the outset of free agency. Keep this in mind. And every fan should. This is agent's time. From free agency, the beginning of free agency, to actually from the end of the season, to the beginning of training camp, this is the time for the agents to stir up trouble, uh, do mischief, uh, you know, pick fights with people, get publicity for themselves, uh, create uh, issues that might on the one hand uh, hurt one of their clients but help another. This is their time to shine. And the best way to deal with them is to ignore them. (laughs) So um, what is your vibe? He ends up playing this year? I think so. I think so. Or he ends up walking away. I mean, he, he could be feel strongly and say, hey, I made enough money. I don't like it here. I'm walking away. Couldn't a split the baby option be just play this year and we'll move you after this season? That's always possible, too. That just seems like the easiest compromise. It's better for them cap-wise. Just play this year and we'll deal. We'll, we'll move you after the season. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. I mean, that's sort of you know, inside the rules. And, so you know, some of this also gets into uh, how antagonistic the relationship gets and how they're really uh, talking to one another behind the scenes. I mean, if I'm if I'm the Packers, I completely agree with Bill about the um, the leverage. But you're trying to to me to go around the agent. This is a former agent talking, but go around him, talk to Aaron, and keep letting him know. Look, we want the best outcome for everybody. We don't want to do anything to hurt you. Let's work this out somehow. You just don't want it to escalate and let the press drive this thing well well, and to that point bill is your vibe from a general manager perspective that this has gotten really acrimonious and that's why they did the leak or was this a hail mary just to try to see if they could do something on draft night i'm not even sure i'm not even sure that it happened to tell you the truth uh first of all david dunn his agent is a reasonable guy he's a reasonable guy as agents go he's one of the better ones Um, secondly, this happened, I'm I'm throwing out a theory here, but there are enough theories floating around here here to float a battleship, so I might as well throw one more in the, in the mix. There was nothing to talk about on Wednesday. All the talking was over. It, it, the, the, the talking heads were talked out. (laughs) 
the, the, the videotape was burned up. There was nothing more to say. This draft went one week longer than it should have. Everything, it was all exhausted. So if you're a reporter and you don't have anything to say, anything to report on, you've said it all, why not call up an agent or two? Say, hey, what's going on? Right. Well, you know, Aaron's unhappy. It's not working out the way he'd like it. Oh, is that right? Okay. That's a story, isn't it? Yeah. Just a theory. Just a theory. Well, if we're doing theories, here's my theory. Coming from the city of leaks, would another team have leaked it to try to gin something up? I doubt that. Okay. I doubt that. That's that's pretty. That borders on tampering. It does. There, if, uh, if 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 they did that and anybody finds out, there's going to be a fine. I think. And it, and it, and it's it's one thing to tamper with an average player. It's another to tamper with a superstar. Right. Another thing to to tamper with somebody they care about. <laughs> so, I that that's a, a bit far fetched to me. Here. But you just gave the answer. At some point in time, they sit down, which is what Mark Murphy has said. They're going to sit down and dialogue. He's not going to fire the general manager. That much is certain. Uh, you know, he's not going to cut the, the the first round draft choice. That much is certain. So, what, what does that? What choice does that leave Aaron Rodgers? They're just going to go back to the Bills and get uh, Jake back. <laughs> But I, I got to give Mark Murphy one other compliment, and, and Bill will agree with me on this. He's a very even-tempered, very thoughtful guy. He's not going to do anything rash. He's not a guy who's going to answer this stuff in the press acrimoniously. He's going to try to keep the relationship on an even keel and work it out. This just seems like a split-the-baby situation. Play this year. We'll move you next if you're still unhappy. Yeah, and don't forget, every succeeding year he plays – his move value goes down because now he's approaching 38 years old. Right. You know, so you're getting you're getting down into the area where his value is 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 pretty limited. So, uh, you know, it, it's all the leverage is with the Packers. That's the that's the thing fans should understand. So when everybody begins speculating that Denver's the best place for him and Detroit's the best place for him and this is the best place for him. There is no best place for him. The best place for him is in Green Bay, unless Green Bay decides to move. And they have a first-round draft pick sitting on the bench waiting to take the job. Well, unless the football team becomes Tampa light. I don't know. Really good defense. A lot of weapons. That's true. That's true. That smells like Tampa. I will say this. I will say this. There are teams who have said in the lead up to this draft, why would be we be fooling around with a rookie when he may be on the market next year? Right. I don't think anybody believes he's going to be on the market this year, but he might be next. Definitely looks like the football team, and we'll get this is a good segue into next week as we're going into the NFC East gang. But it seems like the football team is setting up to get a Dunder veteran quarterback potentially in 2022. Well, there we go. 
There we go. All right, gang. Well, that's our show for today. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Bet Online. If you've got any questions or things you want us to cover in the Audible, hit us up on Twitter at IFBillPullian, and we will be sure to include it in next week's show. We're staying in the East, and we're going to the NFC East. I won't be able to sleep all week. <laughs> all right, friends. See you guys. All right. See you. Take care. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.